grab your Bibles, go to John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. I want to welcome everybody out to Bible study. Good, good crowd tonight. And I uh, want to welcome all those that are watching by way of the web. Got some family down in Florida. Tammy, I saw you was on there. A little shout out to you down in Fort Pierce, Florida. And everybody else is watching by way of, of internet. It's good to have everybody. Are you glad to be saved? We are going to have an exciting study tonight. I, I, I'm telling you, we're, we're going to try our best. We're going to try our best to get Jesus in the tomb, all right? We're going to try our best to get him in the tomb. I never, I never dreamed in a million years that you could go and, and find so much stuff and so short of Scripture. It, it, it has been amazing. I hope you've been enjoying it. I hope you've been learning and growing, because I sure have. I've been, I've been learning as I've been going through this, and... And, and it's amazing that you can take, like last week, last week, the, mo- the moment he died, those significant things happened, and we had a whole hour of Bible study, and we didn't even get him off the cross yet, amen? And so tonight, we're going to try to, we're gonna try to uh, uh, get him off the cross and at least to the tomb, amen? But with that, God's going to show us some more cool stuff. The more we learn and the more we study and the, the, the deeper we dig into this, that we see that God is in control. It doesn't matter before, during, and after. God never ceased to be in control. And you're going to see that, and we're going to show you that through this study. And you say, why is that important? I don't know about you, but I I face some dark days sometimes. I face some times. It it, it might not be Calvary, and it may not be the crucifixion, but it sure feels like you're going through hell itself. Amen? Amen. And when you go through those days, you need to understand God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't slipped up. He isn't losing consciousness. He's not losing power. He's not losing ability. No matter what you're going through, he's still in control. And he knows what he's doing. Church, say amen. Amen. Well, let's look here in in John chapter number uh, 19 in verse number 30. If you're there, say amen. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith... uh, Let me back up, let me back up. His record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be what? Fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierce. And we're going to look at those in a minute. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus and There came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. 
And then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden. And in the garden a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, I, I believe I have the information. I believe I have the truth that you want me to share. But, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit to move in my heart and my mind and help me to be clear, help me to be articulate and to be able to teach it in a way that everybody can, can figure it out, everybody can understand it. Lord, I love you, and I, I, I pray that you'll forgive me for where I failed you, any sin that may hinder the Holy Spirit from having his free reign in this service. And God, if anybody here has issues in their life, please forgive them. Wash their sins away. Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, prepare us all right now to be able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and hear what the, the Spirit is wanting to teach us through your word. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me get a little swig. All right. John 10, 18. I've got, I've got like several pages of notes here that I want to try to get through. Is why I didn't give you an outline. But, but I'll give you this. If you, if you want the, the notes from the last couple of weeks, just let my secretary know and we'll print them off for you. There's no big deal. But um, here's, here's what I want. I want to go back to John 10 for a minute. Because there's something he said there that, that is gonna it's gonna make everything else that we're looking at here in chapter number 19 really come alive. In John 10, 18, he, he is it's the same chapter where he's talking about the thief. You remember in John 10, 10, where he said, The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And he talks about being the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. How many of y'all remember that? Amen. John chapter 10. Well, this is this is a this is something he said. Watch this. John 10, 18, no man taketh it from me. Talking about his life. No man taketh it from me. That's, that's significant. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now, now through John 19, we're going to look at several things that is proof, is evidence that God was in control the whole time. Jesus, this did not happen to Jesus. This was not a tragedy that took place. Uh, when we look at this, we think, man, he was innocent. All he did was good. And, and here they are, the mean old Jews and the mean, uh, the mean Romans. And, they, and it, this is just terrible. What a, what a terrible thing to say. But really, it's all part of God's plan. He was in control. The whole time. He said, no man taketh my life from me. That means the Jews didn't kill him. That means the Romans didn't kill him. Nobody had the power to take Jesus' life. His life was not stolen. His life, he, he laid it down. Say amen. amen. Now watch. Watch this. First, I want you to see, I want you to see this. I want you to see his last words. I want you to see his last words. And we're going to look at every detail of this chapter. It's amazing how it, it, everything means something. His last words were basically this. He said, it is finished, right? Uh, to tell us, to tell us, 
That, that, that has several meanings, and we're going to look at them. So he says, it is finished. It was the ninth hour. It was the ninth hour, three o'clock. He's been hanging on the cross for six hours. Uh, they crucify him at, at, at nine in the morning. At 12, we know the darkness comes, uh, comes upon the land, and, and, and he goes through the judgment of God. God brings the judgment of God, the absence of his care and, 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 and presence as far as uh, 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 relief. And he goes through the full punishment the full extent of God's judgment for all mankind's sin. And now that it is finished, now that it is done, now that it is complete, he said, it is finished. And then he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, or I commit my spirit. I'm giving it to you. Here's my spirit. I'm giving it to you. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Let's look at these two phrases. Let's look at these two phrases for a minute. All right? Here, here's, here's the first. Here's the first. <clears throat> tetelestai. Tetelestai. The Greek word tetelestai, finished, accomplished, completed. In, in, ancient, in the ancient world, servants would use this word. Servants would use the word tetelestai when reporting to their master. I've completed the work assigned to me. In another ancient secular Greek text, we read that there's an example of a father sending his son on a mission. And the son was not to return until he had performed the last act of the mission. And when he did return from a successful mission, he would step up to the father and he would use the word tetelestai to report to his father the goal was accomplished. And what did Jesus say in John 4, 35? Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So what did Jesus do when he came? He said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to be a minister. I came to do the will of my Father who sent me. The primary purpose, the primary reason for Jesus being here was to fulfill the will of his Father and to finish his work. And when he died on Calvary, that was the completion of the job and the destiny. And oh, say amen. And the whole purpose of the son was there on Calvary. And he was able to say, Tetelestai, it is My job is done. My job is done. Servants would use this word. Not only would servants use this word in the ancient world, but priests. Priests would use this word. Priests would examine the animals for blemishes. Because you could not bring an animal to be sacrificed that had a blemish, that had a spot, that had, a, had, had something wrong with it, something, an issue. So the priest would examine the sacrifice. And if the lamb was faultless, if it was complete, perfect, acceptable, the priest would stand back and say, Tetelestai, what, did, what do we know about Jesus? He's the lamb of God who alone was without sin. Amen? 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Purge out the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Just as the lamb was sacrificed in the Old Testament for the Jews there in Egypt, and they followed that Passover meal and that Passover lamb, Jesus was truly the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. It says, 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we can say to Telestai, the, the lamb is acceptable. The lamb was received. 
Jesus was the Lamb of God. Servants would use this word. Priests would use this words. I like this one. Artists in the ancient world would use this word. Artists would use it. Frank Borum, in his writings, Frank Borum, he said, when the painter or the sculptor had put the last finishing touches to the vivid landscape or the marble bust, he would stand back a few feet to admire his masterpiece. And seeing in it nothing that called for correction or improvement would murmur fondly, to tell us that, to tell us that. It is finished. It is complete. All the Old Testament pictures, the types of the Messiah, were fulfilled in Christ and were only a shadow of what was to come. But the substance, the reality, belongs to Christ. The death of Christ on the cross finished the picture of redemption, a masterpiece that had been in the Father's heart from before the foundation of the world. Man, that's good. Watch this. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a verse. Uh, Brother Jeff, if you'll come up here. Watch this here. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Do y'all have that verse by chance? Is, is there a chance y'all have that verse? Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 16. Watch this. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon. And don't y'all get nervous and worried. This is, I'm just setting the table. Okay, are y'all with me? It's going to be good here in just a minute. Just, just let me set the table and it's all going to make sense. He says, he says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. What are all those? Those were all regulations and laws that God gave the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. How many of y'all know they, there's stuff they couldn't eat? How many of y'all know that had been a disappointing time to be living? <clears throat> y'all with me? No bacon. Come on, people. They, they had restrictions and, 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 and restrictions in their diet. They had restrictions in the days. I mean, there were days that were more important than others that they had, they had rules that they had to follow. But watch what it says. Watch what it says. It's so good. It's so good. It says all of these things, even the Sabbath days. It says they are, verse 17, they are a shadow of things to come. A shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Now here's, here's what I want you to get. All of these things that we read in the Old Testament, all of these things we see in the Old Testament are a... Come on people, get with me. There are a shadow. Now, what creates a shadow? A body with a light behind it. Oh, yeah, I'm going somewhere. God is light. Now, watch. Now, for the sake of illustration, Jeff is Jesus. No, they didn't even laugh that much. You're doing good, man. I thought there was going to be roaring laughter, but they think you're pretty close. Amen. All right. Now, watch. Here, here it is. All right, guys, I need my help. Where's my assistance? All right. Now, you can see it on the screen. If you can't see it there, up in the balcony, you can see it real good. Now, now who is this? Jesus. Now, God is shining. Now, watch. What is that? As a shadow, right? Shadow of things to come. Y'all with me? 
Now, way down here is the tip of the shadow. Now, what will I say is there? That's Adam. How many of y'all know Adam is a type of Christ? Adam, the first Adam. Christ is the second Adam. The first Adam messed up. The second Adam was obedient. The first Adam brought death. The second Adam brought life. Somebody say amen. And then we have Seth who gave his life. Or, or Seth actually is a type of Christ. Abel who died, the innocent died. He is a type of Christ. If we keep on going, the lamb that was slain so that they could have their skins covered was a type of Christ. If you want to go to Isaac who carried the wood on his back up the, listen, the mountain to be sacrificed was a type of Christ. The ram that was called in the thicket was a type of Christ. Joseph, who's the greatest type of Christ in the Bible, who was the father's darling son, who was betrayed by his brothers, sold for silver, was put in a pit, ended up in a palace, saved the whole world. Somebody say amen. He was with two thieves that one died and one lived. He took a Gentile bride. I'm telling you what, I'm thinking of preaching this place right here. All of that is the shadow. But the shadow, the closer we get, Listen, every prophecy, every festival, every sacrifice, the Passover lamb is pointing to? Yes. All the Old Testament, all the Old Testament was a? But, my verse. All the Old Testament was a? But the body is y'all catch that now watch now watch now watch y'all with me God's drawing a picture as you're reading through the Old Testament the artist is painting a picture of salvation and redemption He's painting a picture of sin and rebellion and death, but he's also painting a picture of of sacrifice, obedience, redemption, deliverance, and salvation. And listen, we get all the way to Calvary, all the way to the hill called Golgotha, and in that moment on the cross, and he said, it is finished. He's saying, to tell us the completion of the drawing, the finishing of the portrait, the masterpiece of salvation and redemption. It is done. Woo! Say amen. Sorry, little Ric Flair just come out of me. Amen. Is that not awesome? All of the stuff we read, all of the stuff we study in the Old Testament is in final completion at Calvary. To tell us that. Nothing can be added. Nothing left to be done. Now, thank you. Give give Jesus Jeff a hand. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This is the most important one. Not only did priests use this term and servants use this term and artists use this term, but merchants use this term. Merchants who would buy and sell. Y'all with me? In ancient times, in ancient times when a promissory note was paid, the one holding the note wrote, to Telestai crossed it. A deed to a property was not in effect until it was dated, signed, 
And when this was accomplished, the clerk wrote to Telestai across the deed. When someone had a debt and it was paid off, the creditor would write to Telestai on the certificate of debt signifying that it was paid in full. When Christ gave himself on the cross, he fulfilled all the righteous demands of the law and our sin debt was paid in full. Wayne Gruden, he adds this. He said, if Christ, now this is so, so huge. If Christ had not paid the full penalty, there would still be condemnation left for us. But since he paid the full penalty that is due, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are y'all with me? Here's a, here's a poor illustration, but I'm, I hope it will help you get this. There are loans that banks make when, when you, let's say you're building your house. They will loan you the money, and as you're building the house, you're only paying interest. You with me? An interest-only loan. So every month or whatever, the quarter or however you do it, they, you're paying interest. And every every... Uh, listen, regularly, you're paying an interest. You're paying an interest. You're paying it, whether it's monthly, quarterly, year, however, however you got it set up. But you got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back. And listen, every year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and went behind the veil and took the blood of rams and of bulls and of calves and, and offered the blood to pay the interest that could never ever take away the principle. It can only cover it and suffice it for another year, but then Jesus, hallelujah, when he came and he died, the lamb which takes away the sins of the world, when he said, it is finished, listen, as a merchant would say, he said, to tell us, I paid in let me help some of you people that's done some ignorant things and that just might wrap us all up amen but there's some of us has done so many or just such an ignorant thing you can't forgive yourself Well, let me assure you, before you did your ignorant thing, it was paid in full. So cut yourself a break. Because there's nothing else that needs to be or can be paid. Because it's all paid. Quit beating. I don't even know why I'm saying this. It's not even in the notes, but I feel this. The devil uses shame and guilt, false guilt. Well, preacher, I can't forget what I did. Well, the Bible says the blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works that we may serve a living God. The devil won't leave me alone. Tell him to go back to hell where he came from. 
The next time he comes and tries to make you feel guilty or make you feel shame for something that you did in your past, you need to learn the Greek word, tetelestai, devil, tetelestai. It's paid in full. Leave me alone. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right, let's get to the outline. It is finished. Not only that, he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. You say, what's significant about that? In Ecclesiastes 8, 6. Now, now remember what we're doing here. Remember what we're doing here. We're going through this last chapter to prove that God was still in control. Even though it looked like they had murdered him, even though it looked like, hey, this was a, a travesty of justice, even though it looked like this was a tragedy of all tragedies of mankind, God was still in control. Watch, watch. Ecclesiastes 8, 6 says this. There is no man, say that with me, there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. What's he saying? The psalmist is saying, uh, or uh, or, uh, not the psalmist, excuse me, Solomon in Ecclesiastes is saying this. When it comes your time, you go it. You have no power over your spirit. You have no control over your spirit. They can hook all the machines that they have in, in technology to you, but when your time comes, you have no power over that. Does that make sense? But what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? On the cross, in just six hours... You say, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me back up just a little bit. Let me back up just a little bit. He died early. He died before he physically, humanly was supposed to die. He died so early that when word got back to Pilate that he was dead already, it shocked Pilate and he couldn't believe he was dead already. Wait a minute, we just put him on the cross at 9 o'clock. There's no way he could be dead at 3 o'clock. Because most criminals, most prisoners, it took them a day, it took them two days, sometimes three days on the cross before they died. Don't tell me he's dead in six hours. Oh yeah, he's dead. He died early. So what's the significance of him dying early? He did it. He, let me say it this way. He willed himself dead. In other words, Jesus said, all right, lungs, I'm done. Y'all ain't getting it. What did he say in John 10? I have the power. I have the ability to lay it down. In other words, they didn't steal it. They didn't take it. I voluntarily... They couldn't believe it. How's he dead already? There's no way he could be dead already. Pilate didn't believe him. He had to call the centurion and confirm it with a centurion. Are you serious? He's dead already? What does that prove to me? Not only does it is finished prove the power and the sovereignty of God, but even in his early death, when he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit, I'm giving it to you now. He did it on his own. He was completely in control of even his own death. 
Does that make sense? Now listen. No man has that ability, but Jesus does. Luke 23, 44. And when Jesus is cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. In other words, the word commend means to commit, to entrust. I'm, I'm giving it to you. Take my spirit. And having thus said, he gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost. Oh, mercy. And all God's people say it. Look at this. Look at this. Watch this. Let's keep reading. So can we, can we say, can we say by looking at his early death and his last words on the cross, uh, we can see he's still, he's still running things. Can we see that? Y'all get with me. Can we see that? Watch this. We can even see it in the hypocrisy of the Jews. And when I say Jews, understand I'm not saying the whole Jewish people, the whole Jewish nation. We're talking about the leaders, the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the religious elders and the religious leaders that had him crucified, right? Are we all together on that? Make sure we, we understand what we're saying when we say that. Watch this. Look in the next verse, verse 31. When Jesus died in verse 30, he gave up the ghost. The Bible says in verse 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, that means the preparation was the day before the Sabbath. How many of y'all remember all the way back even to, to Moses' day, when it came the Sabbath, you were supposed to prepare everything on Friday so you couldn't work on Saturday. Does that make sense? Remember they had to, they had to, they had to gather twice as much manna and, and supplies and provisions on Friday so you could rest on the Sabbath. So you did no work on the Sabbath. Are y'all with me? Y'all looking kind of confused. Everybody know that? They would call that the preparation. You prepared on Friday so you would have something on the Sabbath, on Saturday. So because of that, that was the preparation day. So not only was it the preparation day, but watch this. It says that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that particular Sabbath was a high day. This was not just any Sabbath this was Passover Sabbath. This was Passover Sabbath. The most important holiday festival, the most important feast of Israel, the holiest day of the year, if you, if you want to use that terminology, the holiest time. This was special. Listen, we can't be having, we can't be having criminals hanging on a cross outside of Jerusalem. We got to do something about this. We got people coming in. We got people going. We need them down. Y'all with me? They've only been there six hours. Man, you, 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 can you imagine, Pilate? You come and storm my praetorium. You do all of this stuff, and you want me to crucify him, and now you want me to hurry up the process? And they come to him. Hey, look, we got we to break their legs. Now, here's the process. Here's the process that takes place. When people are hanging on the cross, when people are hanging on the cross, they will bend their knees. <clears throat> when they nail their, their, their feet into the cross, and as they're hanging there, they would push up with their knees and take a breath because their body is pulling, the weight of their body is pulling upon them. And, and when they get weak and tired and they can't hold themselves up, they will fall back down. And then they would get the strength and push back up <gasps> and take a breath. And that was, a, that was an agonizing process of, of hour after hour, agonizing, trying to get a breath. But if they wanted to expedite the process, 
If they wanted to make it quicker, hurry this thing up, they would take a mallet, a wooden or a metal mallet. Some, some have called it a bone axe. And, and, and the, the literal term is to shiver the bone. In other words, they would obliterate the bone so that they had no ability to push up. And what would happen is the full weight of their body would pull upon their diaphragm and squeeze them to a point that they truly, really died of asphyxiation. Are y'all with me? So they come to, they come to Pilate and they say, hey, we can't... Ha-. Now think about this. Think about this. They were so religious and so legalistic and so pharisaical we, we've, got to, we've got to get these criminals down. The Sabbath is tomorrow. Now, what are they doing? They're going by Deuteronomy. Now, watch this. Deuteronomy 21, 22. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be, to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that, by, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now think about this. Think about this. <clears throat> the same people who hired false witnesses, who had a government official tell them time after time after time after time, this man has done nothing worthy of death. I find no fault in this man They knew they were murdering an innocent man in their eyes. Yet they had to keep the Sabbath. We don't want to defile the land. We got to keep Deuteronomy. Now what's what's significant about that? Do you realize religious people can get so blinded by their religion that they can do some stupid things? Now, I know what you think. Yeah, I'll tell you, them Muslims flying tire, planes into tires and all this kind of stuff. No, I mean self-righteous people who judge others to live up to your. I wish I had time to deal with that. But y'all are the cream of the crop. I'll wait till Sunday. Amen. <laughs> they were so caught up in their religion. That they were killing, watch this now, they were killing the Lord of the Sabbath, yet they were afraid they wouldn't be able to keep the Sabbath. But you know what? You know what? All of that was part of God's plan. Why? Because the way the Romans did things, when they crucified somebody, They stayed on the cross. They didn't take them off the cross. They left them on the cross even after they died so they would rot. So scavengers, listen, animals, birds would come tear their flesh and eat their flesh. Listen, the the whole point of crucifixion is to create such a stigma with that that nobody wants to be crucified. It's a deterrent to sedition. And if you were accused of sedition against Rome, and that's what they brought him to, and that's what they brought him for and accused him of was sedition against Rome. He claimed to be a king. He's not a friend of Caesar, blah, blah, blah. Y'all with me? Those, Those criminals stayed on the cross. They didn't come down. 
But see, if he had stayed on the cross, though, Scripture would not have been fulfilled. Because he's got to get in the ground before 6 o'clock. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. So what happened? Even the hypocrisy and the arrogancy, I don't even know that's a good word, but the arrogant attitude and behavior of the Pharisees that put Jesus on the cross, God used that to accomplish his purpose. Because they went to they went to Pilate and said, hey, we gotta, we gotta expedite this process, man. We gotta hurry this thing up. We've got, we've got the preparation for the Sabbath, man. We can't be, they can't be hanging out on that cross. So they did. They took the bone axe and boom, they broke and shattered the legs of the first thief that they came to. They shattered the legs of the other thief. But when they come to Jesus, they said, wait a minute, he's already. And so they didn't shatter his. And guess what? It was significant. One writer. I think his name, Idlesheim, I think his name is, is one of the, one of the uh, uh, historical writers. They, they, they said they would, they would shatter their legs with the, with the bone axes, with the mallets, and, and th- then they would take and call the, the knockout blow or the final and, and pierce their heart with a spear as the final get it done, get it over with. So they took the spear and they, they thrust it in, in Christ's side, and we know what happened, blood and water come out, right? Y'all with me? Now, let's, let's look at the significance of that. What does he say? What does he say? Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. You're not bored, are you? I hope not. See, our lie to me. Amen. All right. They said, we got to break their legs. This is a high day. Verse 32. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. And when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came out blood and water. <clears throat> and he saw that it bare record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, and ye, that ye might believe. The whole purpose of the book of John is so you'll believe that he was the Son of God. All right, now watch. Now watch. For these things were done, that the Scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken, and again another Scripture saith, they shall look upon him whom they've pierced. Now let me give you those verses. Let me give you those verses. <clears throat> it says in, in Numbers, uh, uh, Numbers 9, verse 11. It, well, let me back up. I missed one. All right? Exodus 12, 4. This is, the first, this is the first reference. You remember we said that the Old Testament is types and it's a picture? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember the shadow a while ago? Okay. All right. Get with me, people. Amen. This is, this is the first Passover. This is the first Passover. Exodus 12, 44. Now, after you have cooked the Passover lamb, after you have put the, the, the lamb in the fire, which is a, a type of judgment, the lamb being judged, you are to eat the lamb. You are to feed on the lamb. The lamb was to give them nourishment and strength for the journey ahead. Do y'all see that? Anyway, that's a whole nother... Some of y'all are going to get that in a minute. <clears throat> in one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house. Neither shall ye break a bone thereof. In other words, the Passover lamb could not have any broken bones. Y'all with me? That's Exodus. Now watch in Numbers. Numbers 9 11. 
They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. Then we see in Psalm 34, which is a messianic prophecy concerning Calvary, Psalms 34, 18, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is. So what's the point? Jesus dying early. Jesus, man, I hope y'all get this. When Jesus said, Father, in thy hands I commit my spirit early, it kept his bones from being. Because if he had still been alive, do you see it? Even dying. He was playing them. He was still pulling the strings of the puppet, even dying. He was making them do what he wanted. Not one bone broken. Not one. Then, let's just go on. There's another one. Watch this. The pierced side. The pierced side. Zechariah 12, 10. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they, talking about the nation of Israel, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and one and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Jude 25, or excuse me, actually, Revelation 1.7. I don't know why it says Jude 25. It's Revelation 1-7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. What is that talking about? It's talking about the second coming of Christ. One day, Christ is coming back. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. He's going to land where he ascended. He's going to come back on the Mount of Olives, cross down over the Mount of Olives, cross the brook Kidron. I've showed you all that several times. Go into the eastern gate. He's going to ascend to his father, and all the Jewish people are going to recognize the one they pierced. And they're going to mourn, and they're going to grieve. Because of what they did to their Messiah. But guess what? He died early. So he could be pierced. So Zechariah could be fulfilled. And Revelation 1-7 can be fulfilled. What's the point? Our God is always in control. It gets better. 15 minutes. We need somebody to check that clock. Something wrong with it, amen? (laughs) Watch this. This is not the end. Blood and water comes out. I'm sorry. I messed up. I'm a terrible pastor. Because I found another verse and I forgot to write it down. But maybe, maybe you with concordances on your phones can find it. It says his heart was broken. Psalms, I think it's Psalm 59 or Psalm 69 or 89 or somewhere in Psalms. <clears throat> it's, 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 we read it. It's the, it's the Messianic Psalm that deals with the crucifixion. But it, ta- it, it says verbatim that his heart was broken or ruptured. There, there, are, there are medical reports that have made that, you know, it says when they stabbed 
him in the side, it, it pierced his, many believe it pierced his heart because it was so deep that, that, that remember when he told, remember when he told uh, uh, Thomas, he said, stick your hand. I mean, it was so deep and so wide, he, you could put his hand completely in it. They believe it pierced his heart. And they believe that there are times that the, 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 the heart can be under such strain that it will rupture, it will break and spill blood into the pericardium. And that fluid and the, and the blood and water came out. It's a great possibility, I'm not dogmatic about this, but it's a great possibility that, that Christ's heart broke under the stress of being, being rejected by his father, being outside in, in everything that he went through, which would be the third, I don't know. Did I? Was it, I'm not, that don't sound familiar. I don't think 22 is it. But anyway, I'll have it for you next week. I promise you that. But either way, that's three different, that's three different sets of scripture where it fulfilled prophecy. Now, now he's, he's died. Now it's official. All of them are dead now. And it is even. That means the time between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock would be the beginning of the new day. In other words, in, in, in their time schedule, that would be the Sabbath. The Sabbath would start at 6. That would be the evening, the night. And he's got to get in the ground. He's got to get in the ground. But, but see, we have another prophecy we got to worry about here. we got another prophecy we got to worry about. So far, everything's going good. So far, all of them have come to pass. But what about this one? What about this one? <clears throat> it says Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Remember that pit that we showed you, the picture of the pit he was in? And taken from the prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. He was, he was killed on Calvary. What for? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Now watch this. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich, with the, come on everybody, with the, in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now, let me, let me, let me give you what that, that verse is saying. That verse is saying this, that his assignment, his assignment, he was appointed to, his assignment was to be with the wicked, to be in the grave of the wicked. But he ended up with the rich. Now, wait a minute, how's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? Because, because the Romans sure weren't going to do it. The Romans would take you off the cross or leave you on the cross to rot. And if they did take you off the cross, they would just throw you in a pit of refuse. Maybe the Valley of Hinnom that we went to. If y'all remember the Valley of Hinnom where they'd put you and burn. You remember when we come around Jerusalem and they, they showed us the valley? They would just burn. And, hey, you're, you're just a criminal. They're not going to spend any money. They're not going to waste anything on a criminal. And that, that's what was coming to Jesus. If he did make it off the cross, he wasn't, how in the world? The, the disciples didn't have any money. The women didn't have the power or authority to get him and, and they didn't have any money. The disciples was not even heard of. The only one there was John. And you know, fishermen ain't got no money. Right? Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Somebody showed up. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph, as we find out and we study, I'm going to try to hurry this up because I'm running out of time. 
Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin. Joseph had authority. Joseph had power. And if you have authority and power, and by the way, he puts Jesus in his own tomb. And usually in that day, in this day, if you have authority and power, what else do you have? Not only was he a member of the Sanhedrin, not only was he powerful and had great authority, but he was loaded. Say, well, if he was a member of the Sanhedrin, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have time to take you to the verses, but, but you go research, read all four Gospels. All four Gospels represent Joseph of Arimathea, and they say this. This is what we know about Joseph of Arimathea. He was rich. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a wise counselor, and he was not with the decision to crucify Jesus. It says it, clearly says it. Y'all with me? Let, let me give you, let me give you something. Y'all looking funny. I can see that. Watch this. Watch this. It says Matthew 27, 55. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Luke 23, 50. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that he was a disciple of Christ, but he was a a, a disciple in secret. He was a member of the secret service, amen? I think half of my members are that way, secret service. I can't find them. Now think about this. Think about how risky this was. He was afraid to openly claim Christ because of the stigma. He, He would lose his authority. He would lose his power. He would lose his position in the Sanhedrin. So he followed Christ secretly like his buddy, the other guy we're going to read about, Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? But there's something that happens. There's something about bravery. When you see somebody else brave, man, it gives you some bravery. When you see somebody else step up. Now think about this. Before he was in the shadows. Before he was a secret disciple, a secret follower. But now he's going into the praetorium. And before they wouldn't even go into praetorium because they didn't want to be defiled, remember? But he went right on into Pilate's begging for the body. Now one, word's going to get around Everybody's going to hear about this. Man, you're going to lose your position. They may crucify you. All of the disciples were hiding, by the way. They were hiding because they were afraid they were going to be crucified. But he goes right into Pilate. Now, now understand this. Pilate is not about the Sanhedrin anymore. He done had enough of them. Like my brother would say, when, he, when we, we'd be through fishing. or he, he, I wasn't through fishing. He was through fishing. He said, I'm over it. <clears throat> That meant I might as well reel on in because we going to the house. Amen? 
Pilate was over it. They were blackmailing him. They were threatening to tell Caesar on him. They gave his wife nightmares. They had him kill an innocent man. He didn't even want to see nobody from the Sanhedrin. But Joseph risked it. Because this was important. Why? Even in Jesus' death, he was moving in the spirit, in the life of Joseph to fulfill his will. Because the scripture said his assignment was to die with the wicked, but he made his grave with the rich. So even in death, he's still moving the hearts to fulfill his will. He begged for the body. When he granted it, he made sure he was dead. Made sure he was dead. All right, you can have him. He takes the body, he buys the he buys the, the threads, the, the, help me, what's that word? You go buy the, the linen cloth. He goes, buys the materials, rich materials. Nicodemus comes, he's wealthy. He brings, he brings the spices. And watch this. <laughs> <laughs> a criminal would rot or be thrown in a heap. Basically, a garbage, the garbage dump. But Jim, they wrapped him like a king. They wrapped him like a king. They would put the spices in, and you see. Jews didn't embalm. Jews didn't embalm their dead like the Egyptians would. They would just wrap in the spices and the in the in the, the, the sweet smelling to kind of hide and mask the putrefaction. And they wrapped him like a king. Nicodemus comes. He's the one in John 3 who came to Jesus by night. You remember when Jesus told him you must be born again? That Nicodemus. They stepped up. And they buried him like a king. And through this whole deal, through this whole experience, they got to hurry. They got to hurry. Look, let, let me read it. Let me read it, and this is going to make sense. It says in, in verse, number, verse number 40. <clears throat> then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths and the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never a man yet laid. This was, we know by, I believe it's Matthew, that this was Joseph of Arimathea's own personal tomb. There laid they Jesus. Therefore, watch this now, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. In other words, the reason they used this specific tomb because they had to hurry up and get him in the ground. Just happened to be there. Just happened to be Joseph of Arimathea. Just happened to be the tomb, and if it's the one Gordon's Calvary, you can, you can sit at the, at, the, at the tomb and look right up the hill and see Calvary. And there's a garden there. 
they had to hurry. Their, their, their speed wasn't necessarily... I know what some people, some people think. Oh, because they had to hurry so they wouldn't be defiled. They didn't care about defilement. They done went to the praetorium. They're handling a dead body. You can't handle a dead body or that defiles you. It wasn't about that. There was a, a rush. There was a hurry. Why? It had to be before six. Because it had to be part of the day on Friday for it to count as three days. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let me, let me read a quote from... Here's some information that will bless your heart. John MacArthur, in his, in his commentary, he said, Joseph and Nicodemus were motivated to finish their work before the Sabbath began. And that would have been at 6 o'clock, Okay. But there was a more significant reason that the Lord needed to be buried before sundown. In Matthew 12, 40, Jesus predicted, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Jews counted any part of a day as constituting a day. Jesus needed to be buried while it was still Friday so he could be in the tomb for three days. Part of Friday afternoon, Saturday, and part of Sunday morning. In his burial... As well as his death, Jesus orchestrated all the details to accomplish God's already revealed plan. Now I've got, there's, there's arguments and I'm not even going to get into all that. There's arguments, there's people on the internet saying, no, he died on Wednesday and it, it has to count. I've got, I, I printed off, I printed off uh, the explanation and how it lays out uh, uh, for that scenario, that part of Friday all of Saturday and part of Sunday morning, the way that works out. And, and so if you want that, see my secretary, I'll give that to you. I knew I wasn't going to have time. I got 49 seconds. But trust me, it happened just the way God said it would happen. And all of the timing was all according to God's plan. Even in his burial, he was still in control. Listen, next week, hopefully, we're going to get to 20. And he's going to rise again. Amen? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been getting a lot out of this stuff. And, and we just need to thank Jesus. Because this is not, guys, this is not just about learning some Bible. This is about getting motivated. This is about getting inspired. This is about getting encouraged to know that whatever you're going through, he's in control. Whatever you're facing, he knows what he's doing. Whatever, whatever is facing you tomorrow or next week that's causing you to have to take Valium and is keeping you up at night and is causing you to cry yourself to sleep, understand this, that you serve a God who loves you more than you even have the ability to understand his love for you and you serve a God who has more power beyond your comprehension and you serve a God who knows it all, knows everything. He's been there and he knows just what to do. You can't trust him. And you can lean on him. Can we take just a moment and give God praise and glory? 
Come on, stand with me and give him praise and glory in his house. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Ain't God good? Let, let's pray. Lord, thank you for...